F K T. Fastest known time. Every year, thousands of hikers set out to attempt long-distance trails of 2,000 miles or more. Only about a third manage to reach the finish line. But every year, a few determined individuals set their sights even higher to see how fast they can hike a long-distance trail, pushing themselves to the limit and challenging each other to find out just what a human being is capable of. This weekend, I had the chance to talk with a hiker who has done just that, raising the bar and inspiring many people along the way. This is Ratatouille, and you're listening to Trailside Radio. Had this moment where I suddenly like realized that I'd spent like a decade asking like why the only thing that made me happy was hiking and why I was a through hiker and why I couldn't be normal and you know be happy with like a normal life and why only being out in the mountains made me happy and on the last day of my speed record I remember just having this moment where I was like the why doesn't matter and I just need to accept that's who I am. I had to after about a week on the trail I was so far off my schedule I had to to decide. You know, because I was feeling like I wanted to quit. Because I was like, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I was wrong. I can't do this. I, I can't keep the miles up. I, I'm, I'm not going to succeed at this. You know, all those doubts were coming up that I was going to fail miserably. And I had to say, you know what? I'm going to throw away this schedule. I'm not going to think about where I am in relation to a record. What I'm going to do out here is I'm going to give my all. Welcome, everybody. This week we're going to take a detour. From my adventures on the Pacific Crest Trail,、uh, next week we'll pick up where we left off in Northern Oregon, and I've still got several episodes to share with you of、uh, interviews I did with the people I met during my final weeks on the PCT. But this weekend I had the honor of getting a timely interview with a very special hiker, and I just couldn't wait the usual three-week lag time to share it with you. This weekend I attended the Alda West Gathering. Uh, an annual meeting of hikers that was held this year at the Kiwanis Camp on Mount Hood near Portland, Oregon. There were many inspirational hikers giving presentations about their experiences,、uh, including Trauma and Pepper,、uh, Gene Ella, Jeff Kish, and many others. But the talk of the weekend was news from out east on the Appalachian Trail. Heather Anderson, better known as Anish. Had just set a new record for the fastest known self-supported hike of the AT, making her the first person to simultaneously hold this record on both the AT and the PCT. And what most of us didn't know is that she was on her way to join us at the gathering. In fact, she arrived at the Kiwanis Camp less than 36 hours after finishing her record-setting hike. The next day, she was kind enough to sit down with me to talk about her accomplishments. I found her to be very humble, warm, funny, and inspiring. I really enjoyed talking with her, and I'm extremely excited to share the interview with all of you. So, without further ado, I present to you my conversation with Anish. My name is Anish, otherwise known as Heather Anderson. And I am a through hiker,、uh, rather well-known through hiker,、yes. in fact. <laughs>、yeah. 
You just finished up your most recent through hike, uh, what, three days ago? Uh, yeah, it's Sunday and I finished Thursday evening, so, mm -hmm. yeah. And that was on the Appalachian Trail and yes. you uh, made some good time on that, didn't you? I did, yes. Uh, actually set a new self-supported fastest known time out there, um, going from Katahdin to Springer in 54 days, seven hours. I was breaking the previous record by four days? Uh, the previous overall record by four days and the previous female record by, I think, like 26 days. Wow. Congratulations. Thank you. Well done. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> now, I think most people listening to this are probably already a little bit familiar with you, but for the mm -hmm. few that aren't, you also hold the self-supported record on the PCT as well from two years ago? That's correct. In 2013, I hiked the PCT from Mexico to Canada in 60 days and 17 hours. Mm -hmm. uh, when did you first get into long-distance hiking? How long have you been doing this? Uh, 2003. I actually uh, set out from Springer Mountain, headed for Katahdin. It was my first multi-night overnight backpacking trip, and I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> so um, I learned a lot um, in the four months that I was out there. And you were, earlier in your life, not especially athletic. This is something I can identify with, and I imagine some of my other listeners can identify with, if I'm correct about that. Yeah. And, uh, but you always kind of had a dream in the back of your head that, about setting some athletic records? Yeah, I mean, so. when I was growing up, uh, I was not athletic at all, you know, and, and I remember, um, you know, struggling in gym class a lot. I was overweight pretty much from third grade onward. And uh, I remember one time, like, our gym teacher actually had us, like, do a writing assignment in gym class, which I thought was strange. But we were supposed to write down, you know, our, our, our physical goals. And... I've always had a very active imagination, and so I remember, like, my my tangent uh, was, like, that someday I would be in the Olympics, you know, like, that I wanted to be an athlete, basically, because it was so opposite of, of what I was, which was, like, this little bookworm that sat around on the couch and, and didn't do anything, you know, and struggled to run around the track, you know, and um, so I had this wild fantasy of, of being an athlete, you know, so that was kind of always, like, something that was, like, never going to happen, but it was a dream of mine because... It was the opposite of what I actually was. And um, so when I was in college, I found out about this volunteer organization, a Christian ministry in the national parks, um, and I volunteered with them at the Grand Canyon and worked there at the, at the lodge as a front desk clerk. My, this was my first summer in college, and some people invited me to go hiking, and I was like, okay, I'll try this out. I've never hiked before, but this sounds kind of cool. And um, I went hiking and it was absolutely miserable and terrible and I thought I was going to die because it was the first time I'd done anything athletic in my life and about two days later after I'd recovered I was like that was the most amazing thing on earth and then by the end of the summer I was like I had hiked like 75 miles which doesn't sound like much now but at the time it was like this earth-shattering thing that I had hiked 75 miles in the Grand Canyon over the summer and I went back to school and that year and I was like I'm gonna hike the AT and my family didn't believe me and none of my friends believed me and no one thought I could do it and I convinced two of my friends to drive me down to Springer Mountain the day after I graduated college and so I got my diploma I handed it to my parents handed them the keys to my car jumped in a car with my friends we drove all night they dropped me off at Springer and I started walking north and obviously had no clue what I was doing but I made it to Katahdin and by then I was hooked and along the way I found out about the PCT and the CDT and I was like you mean there's other trails like this <laughs> and uh, I was just absolutely in love with it so yeah I went from not being athletic at all to like a through hiker and completely in love with backpacking in a very short period of time <laughs> mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And you've also talked about having some struggles with self-esteem back mm-hmm. then and even maybe ongoing a little bit. Yeah. Um, how did you overcome that and, and reach those goals? Yeah, I mean, I was never one of the popular kids in school, and so I definitely had, you know, I definitely have, like, a perfectionist type of thing and also just, like, you know, wasn't, you know, popular. And I've always had just, like, self-esteem issues. I never lived up to my own expectations and always was struggling to, like, achieve. But, you no matter what I achieved, I never felt like I it was enough. And, um, you know, like, it's just been a process over, you know, my adult life of learning to accept myself on my last day of my PCT speed record, um, actually had this moment where I suddenly, like, realized that I'd spent, like, a decade asking, like, why the only thing that made me happy was hiking and why I was a thru-hiker and why I couldn't be normal and, you know, be happy with, like, a normal life and why only being out in the mountains made me happy. And on the last day of my speed record, I remember just having this moment where I was like, the why doesn't matter and I just need to accept that's who I am. And I did, and I accepted that, you know what, I'm a hiker, and that's what I want to be, that's what I am, you know, and that's what I need to do, because that is, you know, what I'm meant to be. And so taking that little chunk of of, of success in the self-esteem building and taking that over to the AT this year and being like, okay, I've accepted that that's what I am, but am I really actually, like, an athlete? Am I really actually good at, at this? And um, going out and just feeling like I, I was going to give my all every day and, and see what happened um, for the second time and overcoming um, these doubts that I had because after I did the PCT, I, I attempted some other things and I, and I didn't succeed. And I don't want to call them failures because they were really learning experiences. But they left, they left some doubts in my mind as to whether I was actually athletic and actually whether I was right about this fact that I'm a good hiker and that that's what I'm supposed to do. And so... Um, going out and and being on the AT this year and just wrestling with that and I overcame that you know to realize that yes you were right you are a hiker that's what you're supposed to do you're you're good at that and you know this is what you're meant to do and what you're meant to be and by the time I reached Springer I really felt like I could really accept myself for who I am and believe in myself and and realize that I had value and worth as a human being and as a hiker and have athleticism so it's pretty like earth-shattering like personally not just like for setting a record because that was secondary to the to the internal struggles and goals the the setting the speed record was really just the the catalyst for the internal growth both times both the pct and the vat that's amazing to hear because i think all of us on some level have everyone experiences self-doubt of Mm -hmm. different kinds and even the most confident seeming people i think somewhere inside they're they've got that self-doubt and so to hear someone like yourself who's accomplish something as big as that as setting the the speed record on the PCT and to hear that that's still you you still had self-doubt after that mm-hmm. is really um confirming that that's just part of the human experience and that we all go through that exactly yeah we all we all have our struggles and you know like I'm a very private person and for me to post about my my struggles publicly is is difficult but I get messages from people all the time about how they're they're making these positive changes in their life, not necessarily about hiking, but just positive changes in their life and their outlook because they're inspired by what I post and my honesty and my transparency. And that's what keeps me, you know, putting that out there because um, I could just go, you know, live my life and do cool things and then not post about them and I'd be fine with that. But um, as long as I feel like I'm making a positive impact in people's lives, then I'll continue to share even if it's a difficult thing for me to do. And so, yeah, it's like, you know, I definitely feel that a lot of people 
you know, struggle and, you know, that the fact that I can make a little difference in even one person's life makes it worth it. Yeah. Well, thank you for doing that. I know that just from witnessing people interacting with you this weekend, it's pretty obvious that you've made a difference in more than one person's life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How did uh, your experience setting the record on the AT differ from your experience on the PCT? Um, there were definitely similarities, but definitely major differences. Um, so when I set out to do the PCT, I had absolutely no idea if I could do it because I had never done, you know, consecutive 40 mile days. I'd done, I'd done two back-to-back 40s once when I did the Wonderland Trail in, in two and a half days. And it nearly killed me. So like the idea of like doing that for two months, like I was like, I have no idea if I can do this, you know? And so it was, it was very, um, it was very much outside my comfort zone and my ability you know, known ability level. And I had to pretty much have a a scheduled place I would camp every night, you know, to keep me accountable and keep me from cutting it short and being like, oh, I'm tired, I'll just camp here and I'll make up those two miles tomorrow. So it was very, very focused and very scheduled to, to keep me on track. And so going to the AT, knowing that I could do lots of miles and knowing that I could push through a lot, uh, that was a confidence boost. Like it wasn't like I was, you know, I didn't go to the AT thinking, well, I don't know if I can actually do miles. Like, I knew I had done them months before. But the the flip side of that was on the PCT, I was eternally optimistic that I was going to reach a point where it was easy, like that I was eventually going to get beyond the, the difficulties. And, one, you know, once I was on the AT and, you know, after, you know, your first three or four days into it and it starts to get pretty hard and pretty nitty-gritty and you're starting to get into the sleep deprivation and knowing that it was never actually going to get better was also kind of like difficult because then I had to cope with that like because I knew from the PCT like it was only going to continue to get harder and I was only going to continue to get more fatigued and more um, dug more into a sleep depth hole and um, get more calorie depleted and I knew I would lose weight and I knew that it would get hard and I would get blisters and my feet would hurt and you know I just knew that it was going to continue to get worse so that you know you had to cope with that so that was kind of actually like the drawback to having done something like this before. But then I also knew that I was able to push through things like that. And I knew that um, after the greatest struggle comes the greatest joy. And those were the things, the lessons from the PCT that were bonuses taking over to the AT. And so, um, and on the AT, like when I started out, you know, I had a a schedule just like I had on the PCT. But because the AT is so variable in terrain, PCT is very consistent throughout the whole thing. And so you can kind of just say, all right, I'm going to do, you know, 40 miles every day. And on the AT, it's, it, it's difficult to do that because like you'll be on really rocky steep terrain then it will level out and then you'll be on rocky steep terrain again or and it's very difficult to just you know you can't just camp anywhere you want to because on the PCT there's lots of available campsites everywhere mm-hmm. and on the AT that's not the case and you could be just like going up this steep rock pile and you can't camp there and um, I was getting my my butt kicked after 35 miles through New Hampshire and Maine and uh I had to, after about a week on the trail, I was so far off my schedule, I had to, to decide, you know, because I was feeling like I wanted to quit, because I was like, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I was wrong, I can't do this, I, I can't keep the miles up, I, I'm, I'm not going to succeed at this, you know, all those doubts were coming up that I was going to fail miserably, and I had to say, you know what, I'm going to throw away this schedule, I'm not going to think about where I am in relation to a record, what I'm going to do out here is I'm going to give my all every single day, I'm going to walk until I can't walk anymore, and whatever happens happens like my my internal goals will be met by giving my all to this trail from one end to the other and if it takes me 100 days it takes me 100 days if it takes me 50 days it takes me 50 days if I break a record I break a record but uh, I need to just be out here giving 
it 100%. And that will show me what I, that I'm capable of giving 100% like I did on the PCT. And that, that, you know, was the part about doing the internal goal and, like, fighting those internal doubt and internal demons, whether I set a record or not, was the, the giving 100% every day and being able to do that from end to end on a 2,000-mile hike. And so that's what I did. And so that was very different from the PCT where I was focused on the goal the whole time. And on the, on the AT, I was not focused on the goal the whole time. I was focused on overcoming my internal stuff and like pushing 100% every day and just hiking the best hike you could exactly being the best hiker like that's what I would tell myself every morning when I woke up I'd wake up I'd pack up and I'd start walking and I'd be like today you are going to be the best hiker that you can be today and that's all that matters you know and and that's what I did every single morning you know that was my little pep talk it's like (laughs) doesn't matter how far you get today you know your goal is to go 45 miles every day but if you don't make it that's fine as long as you've been the best hiker you can be today yeah. Is it true you didn't check to see until you were really close to the finish whether or not you were on pace to set the record? That's correct. I, I knew, um, obviously, that I was ahead of, of the women's uh, self-supported time. Um, I knew I could break that record and you know, so a couple weeks before I finished. you know, and So I knew I was on pace to that, and I knew even if I slowed down dramatically, like I would still you know, set that record. Um, but I, and I knew I was in the vicinity of Matt Kirk's record, but I did not know exactly where I was in relation to it. And I chose not to try and calculate that until the day before uh, I finished, um, just because I had gone so long without that being, um, on my mind, I didn't want to put it on my mind at the end. And so I just continued to just push, you know, and, um, you know, towards the end, you can stop pacing and conserving quite as much. And so toward the end, you know, I did push. Uh, 49, 50 mile days, the final like five days I was out on the trail because I didn't know where I was exactly in relation, but I, I, I thought I was ahead of his record. But I also like kind of got to a point where I was so sleep deprived that I, I couldn't actually remember what his record was. <laughs> and I was like, I think it's 58, but what if it's 56? And I was like, I think I'm on day 55, but I'm not really sure. <laughs> and, and, I'm, and anybody who, who knows me knows I'm really bad at math anyway. So like, it was like numbers would swim in my head and I'm like, I don't even know. Just stop worrying about it. Just keep hiking, you know? And, and yeah, so I, I got, um, data like near Unicoi Gap and I and I went online and I used a data, an online calculator to calculate it and it's like 54 days and I was like that can't be right and so yeah when I got to the summit of Springer I actually called my boyfriend and had him go online and double check what Matt Kirk's record was and to like double check my own calculations I was like Will you make sure that this is what it really is and and yeah. didn't didn't necessarily really believe it until you know, I had outside confirmation from someone else. Um, so, yeah. That's amazing. I, I remember seeing an online conversation with some folks talking about how you were out on trail trying to set the record and, and about how you were being coy about whether or not you were on pace to break the record. And they just assumed that you knew if you were on pace or not, but weren't sharing that with anybody and were keeping it secret. And no. It's amazing to hear that, no, you were yeah. basically keeping it secret from yourself. Yeah. You, People ask me, like, well, what day are you on? And I'm like, I think 51. <laughs> I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I I'm, just, like, I'm just out here hiking. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I am just giving it my all, and I just know how many miles I am from Springer. That's all I know, you know. And mm-hmm. when I was getting toward the end, I was like, okay, I think I'm going to finish sometime on the 24th, but I didn't even necessarily know when on the 24th I was going to finish until I got to Woody Gap, which is 20 miles out. And I was like, okay, I think I'm going to get there around 6 p.m. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. That part of that is just the, how variable the terrain is on the AT. And it's like, you know, so there were days I'd set out, I'm like, I'm going to do 50 miles a day, and then I'd do, like, 40, because the terrain was just, like, not 
conducive yeah. to like yeah. mileage. And then there was days that I get out there and I'd, I'd have my 45 miles in and I'm like, I'm going to hike for another two hours. I'm going to get, you know, close to 50, you know, cause the terrain's good and I can do that, you know? And so there was definitely a lot of, a lot of surprise of how much I was actually able to do each day. Cause it was like, all right, well I got time and I, I've got energy. We're going to do a few more or man, I'm toast and I'm going to go to bed. <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> like, I can't, you know, there's a campsite here and it's been all rocks. So I'm just going to sleep here. And yeah. You said when you first calculated that you were on pace to beat the record by four days, you were, your first feeling was disbelief. Yeah, I didn't. Thought, I didn't believe that mm-hmm. I was because I thought yeah. at that point I thought I was on probably day fifty five or, or mm-hmm. that was my projected like I was going to finish at fifty four days. And so like I thought I was already at fifty four days. I I thought I was mm-hmm. going to finish in like fifty five or fifty six, maybe. And you couldn't remember exactly what. What record Matt's record was, was. I was yeah. thinking, I was like, I'm pretty sure it's 58, but maybe it's 56, you know, because I didn't think I was that far ahead of the record. I, I couldn't believe that. And so I was like, it must be 56, you know, and I'm going to finish like right pretty much on that record. So your, your first feeling was disbelief, but how did you feel once you confirmed that that was actually correct? Uh, I was pretty overwhelmed and pretty amazed. And, um, and then I thought it was funny because I also took about four days off of the PCT record. So it was like, well, I guess I'm pretty consistent. <laughs> like four <laughs> days at a time. But um, yeah. it was mostly just like pretty much just amazement and gratitude to my body, you know, that it, when I had said, you know, I want you to give it your all every day and that that's what it gave me, you know. So, and, you know, I felt like there were points where I just didn't feel like I had anything physically left to give and, and you know, I had to like, dig down deep inside and pull up anything I had left. And, and when that, you know, ran out, you know, I felt like I drew strength just from the mountains themselves, you know, and just like from my experiences there in the past, because especially towards the end, like I was hiking through places where I was like, oh, hey, you remember this? This is where you lost your water filter. And this is where, you know, you uh, were hypothermic. And this is where you uh, bought your first sleeping bag, you know, 300 miles into the hike, you know, and this is, you know, where you shivered hypothermic through a night in the Smokies after being drenched all day and like all these like mistakes I had made you know in my first months on the trail you know 12 years before and so it was very like that was empowering to come back to this you know 17,000 miles of hiking later and be like look at you look at you now and look what you've done and I just felt a lot of um strength from that from like how much I had grown as a hiker over the last like 12 years and and that strengthened me. I was like, you know, look, look at you now. Like you've done, you've come a long ways <laughs> since you were here last time. Yeah. So. I imagine a typical day for you when you're out aiming for a speed record involves waking up really early and just walking, 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 mm-hmm. and probably as little break as possible, right. hiking relatively late. Do you ever feel a little bit envious of? the other hikers that you you pass and you come across and the fact that they get to take a little more time to stop and enjoy some of the people and the places along the way? Sometimes. um, On the PCT, I definitely missed being part of the community because the PCT hiking community is so much fun and, like, I kind of missed that. On the AT, I definitely... um, there were definitely times where I wished I was going to stop at this really nice campsite, like, cause I'd pass all these really nice campsites, you know, for like an hour or two before it was time to camp. And then I'd end up sleeping under a rhododendron bush because there was no nice campsite where I actually needed to stop. But you know, it's like for me, especially since I've done both of these trails before and, and both the times I, I did my first through hikes on both these trails, I did traditional through hikes. I, I enjoyed every, everything, you know, went into towns, took lots of zeros, like did that whole thing. 
And so it wasn't like I felt like I was missing out as much um, because I'd already had that type of experience and I, and I was going out here with a different type of intention. And, you know, people don't necessarily understand how you can enjoy hiking it fast like I did. But it is enjoyable and, and you just go out with a different intention. You know, it's like going out to go for a walk with your dog at a, a pace or going out to go for a jog. You know, you just have a different intent when you go out the door and it doesn't mean you're going to enjoy one more than the other because you just go out with different intention. And so that's really, you know, the FKT type of style. You know, I go out with a different intention and, and I still stopped and had conversations with people along the way and, and that was fun. And I mean, I went into trail towns and, you know, I spent an hour to an hour and a half in town like doing my stuff that I had to do and I had lots of really cool interactions with people in town. Um, so I didn't feel like I really missed out on that, you know. I still had that experience. It wasn't like I, I never talked to anyone or, or never went into a town. You know, I was I was still out there on the trail. Just everything on an FKT is intensified. So it's like, you know, the pain is more, but the joy is more. And, like, I think you enjoy town more because you're there for less time. So, like, you know, when you go into town, like that pint of ice cream and that cup of coffee, they taste a heck of a lot better than if you, you know, sat there in town and ate a whole bunch. Like, because you really value like this little bit of town food you're getting and you know the conversations you have you cherish more because you don't have as many of them or they aren't as long and so you know everything is just like more intense um even, so it's like just because it takes less time doesn't mean that it it's less enjoyable it means it's it's intensified that's the best way i can describe it yeah so on the subject of going into town for resupply yes for the few people who might not be familiar with the distinction you're you're rec- you hold the records for the self-supported through Correct. hikes of these trails, and there's a separate category for the supported through hikes, mm-hmm. which would be when people have someone, you know, maybe meeting them in a van at the end of the day with uh, shelter and food, mm-hmm. whereas self-supported, you're carrying everything that you need along the way. Um, right. How did, my? I guess my main question is, how did you do your resupply? Did you mail yourself packages? Did you buy along the way a combination of those? Yeah, I did a combination. Um, yeah, so when, when you're supported, that means you can receive any amount of uh, support. Um, most people will then, tra- means they travel with a day pack. And, you know, they have somebody meeting them at road crossings with, you know, new supplies and water and, and everything like that. So I did it in a self-supported, which is like a traditional thru-hiker style, meaning I had no pre-planned support, um, but I am still allowed to accept trail magic. So if somebody's left sodas by a road crossing, I can still enjoy a soda because it wasn't something I was, you know, counting on or it wasn't pre-planned. It just means that I have to be responsible for my own self the entire way and getting my supplies. And and I took on the additional um, restriction of walking into and out of all of my resupplies, so not even hitchhiking. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that adds some miles to your hike. Um, And that's, you know, a, a, a precedent set by Matt Kirk on the AT and by Scott Williamson on the PCT. And so I've done that on both trails. And uh, so prior to my hike, I established uh, all the towns that I would resupply in based on their proximity to the trail and, you know, their distance apart. And I prepackaged, I think I prepackaged like, I want to say it was like 13 or 14 boxes uh, with my supplies. And then I mailed those out before I left um, for the hike. And then there were also, I think, uh, maybe four towns that I planned to go into and, and buy resupply because they had good-sized grocery stores. And then I also resupplied midway through the Shenandoahs from a wayside, which was a challenging resupply. Um, I, I'm gluten intolerant, and so that was an adventure, trying to like resupply out of a tiny wayside um, 
as somebody who has a dietary restriction. Um, but I was able to do it. And uh, I had, I think it ended up being around 20 um, places that I went into. I did end up going into a couple of additional like small businesses that were just right off the trail because I was like, come out to a road crossing. I'm like, there's a store. I can't pass up Gatorade and soda and coffee and ice cream or whatever, you know, they had, you know. And so like I, there was a place in New York where I was able to walk into this gas station. I was just going to go in there and get a Powerade and like hike back out. And then I saw they sold gluten-free pizza and I was like, yes, I need that please right now. <laughs> that's, and, that's a score. Yeah, that was a total score. That was one of the few like real town meals I had. Most of my town meals were like a pint of ice cream and a Powerade, you know, <laughs> like, um, or, you know, just like coffee and, and then I just keep hiking. I didn't spend, I, I had breakfast in a couple of towns, but while I was waiting for the store to open to give it my box, but. I'm guessing you go stoveless when you're doing for a speed record. So getting those hot meals was probably an extra special treat. Yes, it definitely was. Um, I definitely, uh, I don't necessarily miss hot food when I'm out there, but just like getting like a full meal with lots of calories, like that's definitely a bonus and it not being something that's just kind of soaked in a baggie that's kind of like mush. (laughs) So like real food was great. Any opportunity for variety of food. Right. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like an omelet. This is the most amazing thing I've ever eaten in my life, you know? And, um, Yeah. yeah. Yeah, even if it takes half an hour to go get that meal, it's got to be worth it just for the calories and the morale boost, I imagine. Yeah, for sure. And, I mean, you definitely get into such a, a calorie depletion state that there was a couple of towns where, um, I mean, I went into it, you know, I usually just, if I was doing a, a purchased resupply, it was at a grocery store. And so sometimes I'd, like, buy my resupply and i just buy a bunch of other food. And then i just sit there and, like, just be, like, shoving food in my face while I was repackaging my resupply. And sometimes I'd hike out of town and be like, I think I just ate, like, 3,000 calories in a half an hour, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and I feel really good right now, you know, so, um, yeah, but that was my, my resupply strategy. There was a combination of, of, it was mostly boxes, um, because I wanted to be able to maintain a, a gluten-free and a mostly organic diet, uh, because that's what I do at home. And I knew I would feel the best on that. Um, when I did the PCT, I also did boxes, but I, they were full of junk, like, you know, cookies and, and candy and, and things like that. This typical hiker food, you know, and I, I wasn't as, as careful or, or whatever about packaging nutritious boxes on that hike because I didn't really have any experience with that. And so I definitely had the experience of knowing, like, what my body was going to need to do these miles when I came to the AT. And so my boxes were much better um, packaged. I had, you know, lots of nutritious food. I had, like, actual dinners. Like, on PCT, I just did a protein shake every night, which was definitely not adequate. So, like, I had actual real meals that I soaked on the on the AT, and I had, like, a protein bar with that, you know, for extra recovery food at night. And so definitely learned a lot about the resupply uh, by seeing what happened to my body on the PCT and was able to take that to the AT and, and do a much better job of packing boxes. And I knew what to buy when I was in town. And, and also it was nice to have, like, four or five town stops along the AT that kind of broke up the boxes because you'd kind of start getting sick of your boxes even though you really liked the food and stuff like that and it was nutritious you kind of start getting tired of it and then I'd have like two or three towns where it was like a lot of you know a lot of other things and then I'd be like man I really can't wait till I get to my box that has mulberries in it you know dried mulberries you know because I love dried mulberries and so I was like my box is coming you know and I'd be all excited about that and I'd be excited to have I had like the pro bar protein bars for dinner and for whatever reason like I was really excited about those. (laughs) And so, like, I'd miss them, like, when I wouldn't have them for a period of time. They're like, yes, I have these again, you know. So it's, like, kind of weird, like, that I would be excited about my hiking boot, but I was. I I think that's that's an experience that pretty much all long-distance hikers can associate with. Right. 
pretty common. Yeah, so it was good to break that up for sure. You finished up, what, three days ago now? Mm-hmm. It's uh, Sunday. We're here at the Alda West Gathering on Mount Hood, a bunch of uh, hiker conference here. Mm-hmm. You live up here in the Pacific Northwest. Yes, Seattle. How, how did it feel to go from finishing up your through hike with a certain amount of isolation, just putting in all the hours hiking, to so quickly finding yourself back here surrounded by hiking family? You know, it was a little overwhelming, but also I couldn't imagine like a better way to transition back to society. Um, um, a woman picked me up at uh, the parking lot near the summit of Springer on Thursday evening, and I don't know her, or well, I know her now, but I didn't know her at the time. She was a, a friend of a friend, She's, but she's also a through hiker. And so, you know, it was great to go to her place because she understood. She didn't care that I was stinky and dirty, and, you know, she made sure I got food and got rest and got shower and, you know, everything I needed and she took me to the airport and so um that was the the initial good buffer to be with somebody who understood and then the airport experience was definitely overwhelming but then you know arriving here at Alda where it's like most of my really close friends are here you know like my hiker trash that I missed and I thought about a lot while I was out there and you know being around other hikers who understand that yeah you just get off the trail and they don't think it's weird if I'm having it struggle with eating with a utensil or <laughs> you know whatever yeah. I'm, I mean I was sitting with friends last night during the triple crown ceremony and at one point where I'm just like I can't do it and I just put my head down on the table like they understood like it was past hiker midnight and I was you know, struggling to stay awake you know but people understand and so yeah. and if this is and you're on east coast times, so. right and I was on east coast times. So it was like one in the morning I was like I'm definitely usually done hiking and asleep by now um, so this is like kind of that second stage of buffer. So like now I'm around a lot of people, but they're all hikers. And so that's, you know, kind of that next level. And then I can go home today and, and then I get a little bit of quiet time, you know, with my boyfriend and stuff like that. And then, you know, tomorrow I can actually like maybe return to society and return some of the emails and phone calls requests for interviews and things like that. And kind of, I've had this nice buffer with like all hikers you know, and kind of that transitional phase back to like society. And so it's actually been really good. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of people obviously struggle with that return to society after a long distance hike. Is that something that has challenged you? And is, have you learned anything over the course of multiple through hikes about how to deal with that? Yeah. Um, what I've learned is you just need to let it happen. And in knowing what will happen, like in accepting that that's part of part of this journey is that you're probably going to go through a period of depression and things like that and just to let that happen and for me I just I always have like a next goal like whatever it may be and not to distract me but to help me channel the depression or the the whatever into something positive um like I've been working on over the last two years I've been working on climbing the highest hundred peaks in Washington state And so that's always kind of like a nice stepping stone because I'm still getting out and I'm doing something challenging, Um, but I'm allowed to grieve the, the, the end of a through hike, you know, because I'm obviously I already miss it, you know, but I'm still going to be getting out and I'm going to be hiking and I'm working toward a goal. And so there's that next thing coming up and, you know, some people find that in, in a job or whatever, but it's just good to like not sit around and and dwell on it but to allow yourself to grieve it but kind of like have your next focus that's the the best way I found to cope with it Mm -hmm. yeah 
So something I wanted to ask you about, you posted online the other day about uh, your, your mother went through a, a major personal challenge this year mm -hmm. and, um, and found some inspiration from your hiking this year. Can you yeah. tell that story or talk a little bit about it? Sure. I'll try not to cry. Um, yeah, she, uh, she, she suffered a stroke um, about a month before I left for Maine. And I went home uh, for a period of time uh, right before my hike to kind of help out there, but she actually didn't get out of the hospital until an hour before I left uh, for Maine. So we had about an hour together at home. Like, I mean, I obviously been visiting her while she was in recovery, um, but she still wasn't talking very well. Um, so it was a kind of a silent hour. Like we, we talked, but it wasn't super interactive, you know, and I, and, and I didn't call home while I was out on the hike because, you know, I was busy hiking. And also I knew she couldn't talk very well. Like it wouldn't have been, you know, something we could talk but I, I knew while I was out there that she was at, you know in therapy and, and working on her recovery and you know I prayed for her every day and I you know I thought about her all the time and you know drew strength from the fact that I knew she was you know going through a struggle and so like made me um realize that you know she was going through a struggle that was not her choice and so that gave me perspective on the fact that I was going through something hard but I chose to be there and uh, helped me stay positive and realized that, you know, I could choose to end my struggle. She couldn't. And so I drew strength from that. And then I called her. I called home, walking off of Springer Mountain, and she answered the phone. And she was talking in full sentences. And, you know, I said, wow, you're talking so well. And she's like, yeah, I've been working really hard in therapy because I knew that you were struggling. And so it made me, you know, want to work harder. And so, you know, there was that she was working hard because of me and I was working hard because of her and so even though we hadn't had any like actual contact we both were drawing strength from each other's um journeys and struggles so that was a really moving moment and I'm crying and feel silly but um <laughs> no, it's understandable. yeah and so yeah I'm gonna go home and see them soon and um yeah so it was, that was a pretty amazing moment to to feel that connection with somebody you know that we had both been drawing strength from one another throughout our journey, even though we hadn't had any actual contact. So, yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. You're welcome. Um, on, the, on the subject of inspiring other people, mm -hmm. um, I've heard a rumor that you are making moves towards a career as a personal trainer. Yeah. Is that true? Yeah, I got my yeah. certification actually in at the beginning of June, but I didn't ever get a chance to move forward with that because of, you know, the family stuff and then starting my hike. So, yeah, but yeah. I am certified and going to be working on that as an actual career uh, going forward from this point. What kind of goals do you have with that? Whether particular kinds of clients you aim to have? Um, well, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm certified to train pretty much anybody in any sort of like health goal they, they have or, you know, exercise goal they have. Um, obviously, my, my specialty would come one training, helping people train for endurance or long distance things. I hope to be able to do um, a lot of online coaching where I can help a large number of people as they get ready to do like a through hike or um, move into long distance running um, from a base, you know, like people who are already hikers, but they, they want to do their first through hike or people who are already runners, but they want to move into like a marathon or ultra marathon distance. Um, because there's like this big stepping stone there and, you know, you have a base, but, you know, you need to move, you know, 
jumping that hurdle into the really long stuff is is kind of daunting and intimidating and you know I I know that I learned a lot of stuff the hard way um, and so it'd be nice to be able to help people move you know without necessarily having to learn everything the hard way I mean there are certain things you got to learn on your own but helping people give people a physical advantage um, you know like when I started uh, hiking like through hiking like I was definitely not conditioned and it showed you know and then other hikes that I did that I was more conditioned they went much more smoothly you know and so um, helping people make that transition would be wonderful and and in general like I'd like to work with people too who who are just trying to like get them get even the basics you know because when I decided that I wanted to like through hike and I wanted to get into shape like I had no idea what I was doing I just figured I needed to go out and like jog and so I just went out and started jogging and just kind of tried to increase it a little bit every day like I didn't have any guidance you know and and it was okay it worked but you know I like to help people who were you know like myself who wanted to like move into this realm and didn't exactly know how so um, I don't know I just want to help people improve their health and reach their goals so I'm really open to a lot of different people that way if there's anyone listening who's interested in ha- having you as a, as a trainer, is there a way they can contact you to find Absolutely. out more about that? Yeah, my email is Anish Hikes, so there's two H's in the middle, and it's at Gmail. So. I know you have some online presence. Uh, mm-hmm. where, what's the best place for people to read more about your your hiking and your accomplishments? I update my public Facebook page the most, and it's just facebook.com backslash Anish Hikes, also with two H's in the middle. And uh, I also have a blog. Uh, the blog sometimes has some philosophical stuff, but often that's the place where I, I post things like gear lists and reviews of what I'm doing and what's working and what's not. Uh, sometimes I do trip reports on there. If I feel like I've had a really cool, meaningful trip, like I'll put a report up on there. Um, and that's linked to on my, uh, my Facebook page, but it's also runhikelivelove.blogspot.com. That's all one word. So. Yeah. I'll put links to all of these in the episode notes. Yeah, and I'm on I'm on Twitter, but I don't really tweet that much. It's not really my thing, but it's linked with my Facebook, so you can find me on there at Anish Hikes as well. So basically, yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you have any advice you would give to people who are beginner hikers or even just still looking to get into it for the first time? Uh, the best advice I can really give anybody who's who's starting out is to to not be afraid, be courageous. Um, if you really want to do something, go do it. Um, and obviously do your due diligence and do your research and, and that sort of thing. Find people who've done what you're, what you want to do and talk to them, ask lots of questions, you know, read stuff online, you know, but don't let anyone scare you off from going after your dreams. You know, just go out and go after them. And, you know, you might fail and you might have a miserable time, but like, you know, you'll learn from that and you'll take that forward and and the next time won't be as bad, <laughs> you know. So, yeah, I mean, if I had listened to everyone when I was 21 who told me that there was no way I could uh, hike the AT, like, I wouldn't be here now. Um, and, yeah, I didn't have a clue what I was doing and I, you know, weighed, you know, way too much to be out on the trail, you know, or whatever. That was what people wanted to tell me. But I went out there anyway, and I did it. And uh, even when I got out on the trail the first week, there were other hikers that were through hiking, and they were just kind of like, oh, she's never going to make it to Maine. And you know what? Of those people, I'm the only one that made it to Maine that year. 
because that sort of galvanized me to be like, you know what? No, I am going to make it to Maine, and it doesn't matter how terrible it is. I'm going to learn from every mistake, and I'm going to take that knowledge and go forward. And, you know, I think that's the important thing to remember is that not just with hiking, but anything in life, you need to be courageous and be willing to take risks. And, you know, every, you know, there are no failures. There's just learning experiences and take something from everything and go forward with that. One thing somebody asked me about yesterday, and so I'll just throw that out there, is they asked me about if I had a lot of pictures or if that I was just moving too fast to take pictures. And um, so my response to that was, no, I don't have a lot of pictures, but it wasn't because I was moving too fast. I, I used to take lots of pictures when I first started hiking, and then I realized that I was spending more time trying to get a good photo than I was actually enjoying the moment. And from that period on, this is long before I was a fast hiker, um, I stopped really taking pictures and just focused on enjoying that moment. So whether it's a sunset or it's like a bear or an animal encounter, rather than trying to take a picture to remember it by, I focus on like cementing that moment in my memory. And, you know, I don't have any regrets that I don't have a lot of photos from my journeys uh, because I have a lot of really awesome memories. And so, I don't know, like that's something I think in this day and age when everybody's trying to get a selfie of themselves with whatever it is, you know, or get the perfect picture for Instagram. Like, um, I don't know. Sometimes it's fine to take pictures if that's your thing, but also sometimes don't take the picture and just focus on being there in that moment and having the mental picture. So don't lose sight of the actual experience in order to document it. Exactly. (laughs) So, yeah. Congratulations on your accomplishments and, Thank you for sharing those experiences with all the rest of us and so we can learn from and be inspired by it. You're welcome. And thanks for uh, having me on here. So, yeah. It's, it's been a pleasure. Oh. Yeah. So, thank you so much. You're welcome. That brings us to the end of this episode. There isn't much I can say to follow that interview. If you're listening to this podcast for the first time, I hope you'll take the time to check out some of the other episodes filled with trail stories I've been collecting from people all summer long. I'll be back next week to continue sharing stories from hikers that I've met this year on the Pacific Crest Trail. In the meantime, I hope you are all out there making the most of every day. Hike your best hike and live the best life you can. This is Trailside Radio, over and out.